0: Genesis 34. This is a fairly lengthy chapter, and it's all about one story, which is interesting because they can jam a lot of stories into just a few verses. But there's an awful lot of detail in here. I don't really know what to do with that, but, the, you know, that's that. So, Dina, uh, one of Leah's daughters, so one of the daughters of... Jacob slash Israel. Interesting that Israel doesn't go by the name of Israel for a long time. Every once in a while, Israel is mentioned. But he's still called Jacob, and he was renamed Israel a while ago. So either he didn't take the name, or the people that wrote this down um, didn't refer to him as Israel until quite a bit later. So uh, this daughter of his... Uh, they they had moved to just on the outskirts of this city called Shechem or Shechem if you want to pronounce it in English that c h is a is a h which is fun so so they moved there and she went into the city into that area to see some of the young women because at least from these accounts either she's the only daughter mentioned because because she's got a story happening or she's the actual only daughter of all of Jacob's children, and so she wanted some female friends. And so she went to uh, spend some time with the young women of the area. And Shechem, the um, there's a guy there, and his he is actually the son of a Hivite named Hamor, and he's a prince of the area. So he's there's a city, and there are these like princes of the city. And this this guy is actually named after the city itself, same name, and he saw her and raped her, and he became infatuated with her, and he loved the young girl and spoke tenderly to her That's not how things work in our culture at all, but if you look at what happened after this, apparently that's not uh that was not out of the ordinary for. The people of that city, at least. So Jacob heard that uh, Shechem had uh, defiled his daughter Dinah. But since his sons were with his cattle in the field, he remained silent until they returned. And I think that that actually caused a lot of problems later. We'll talk about it. So his um, his sons got back, and they were they were enraged. And then. Some time had passed, obviously, because they were on the fields and doing stuff, and, and, you know, it takes a few days to get everybody in from the fields. And uh, Shechem and Hamor uh, showed up at Jacob's doorstep. And in this situation, you would expect them to... You expect the father to be bringing his son to account, to be um, begging forgiveness, to be asking that justice not be served on his son. Um... And something, something along those lines, but that's not what happens at all. In fact, Hamor says to Jacob's sons, where's Jacob in this? He says to Jacob's sons, and he says, please give her as a wife to my son who raped her. Let's intermarry as a people. Let's, you know, let's, let's allow this to happen. And then Shechem is also there. And and he actually says to Dina's father and brothers, Grant me this favor, and I'll do whatever you ask of me. Uh, Set for me any compensation as a gift. I'll give you whatever you ask for. Just give me this girl as my wife. And Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully. And they said, We can't let you intermarry with us, because we are all circumcised. And sending one of our sisters to marry somebody who is uncircumcised is just like we can't even imagine that and so then they they thought well that's actually not terribly unreasonable and so they went and they talked to the elders at the city gates because they were up pretty high up and they're like hey if we marry with these guys and you know we have our daughters go and marry them and they come and marry in they'll eventually become so intermingled with our city that all of their possessions will be ours as a city. And they have a lot of possessions. All their livestock and all of their stuff will be our stuff. And so they decided that that was a good idea, the entire city. And every able-bodied man in the entire city was circumcised. We talked about, I mean, that's, that's pretty intense. Um, that, I mean, the only other time that something like that had happened was when Abraham circumcised his whole household, which was significantly smaller than a city. And they were, they were all out for a while. And then on the third day, uh, Simeon and Levi, two of, two of Jacob's sons, Dinah's brothers, they took their swords and they went into the unsuspecting city and they killed every male and they killed as a part of that group Hamor and his son Shechem and they took Dina from Shechem's house apparently she was still at Shechem's house like she didn't return home she was raped and kidnapped and and they sent a delegation they they came to ask for a marriage contract while they were still holding on to her. This is all pretty terrible. And, uh, and then uh, Jacob's brothers came in, and they slaughtered and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled, and they took their sheep and cattle and donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the fields, and they captured all their possessions and children and wives and plundered everything in their houses. So they basically took everything in this entire city after killing all of the men. And then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me. You have made me odious to the inhabitants of the land. Odious is a word I definitely don't use enough. Um, You've made me a stench before them. You've made me um, basically an enemy. And if they join forces, they will kill us and all of us. We'll just be entirely destroyed. And they answered, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? And that's how the chapter wraps up. Um, I read ahead a little bit because that it it does not seem like a good place to end. Uh, the next verse is, God said to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel, and settle there. Built an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. And so, like, they did this and immediately fled. So there's uh, two observations I want to pull from this. One is, one is that, Jacob was not proactively leading in any of this. His daughter was wandering off to make friends with this city. He didn't stop her or give her guidance or give her somebody to go with her. Um, and then when he found out about what had happened, he didn't do anything he didn't He didn't say anything. He waited. This so this actually sounds very familiar. If you if you think forward to uh, David, there's actually another another rape that happens there, and David does not act immediately, and his sons go and um, and exact vengeance themselves, and they and they took justice into their own hands, which is you know typically how it happens because you know there wasn't a lot of other justice happening. And then later in the you know the, the quote unquote negotiations, Jacob was completely silent. At least in this account, his sons were the ones that they talked to, and his sons were the ones that replied. And he was there because they talked to him also, but he didn't. I don't know what he was doing or saying, but he was not. He was not taking charge and and working on this. But he wasn't happy with the outcome. Um, That was. That's very clear. But I don't think he had another plan. I don't know if he was planning on just waiting. But it's not a good situation. The other thing I want. I observe here is the. the Violence. Violence promotes more violence. When. When. when Jesus came, he talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about how he was going to be using a different a different way of operating to change the world. To change how it, how it actually functions at a deep level, with people caring for each other, watching out for each other, uh, loving each other, and and, and he was doing that in opposition to the way that the world works by default, based on what we do. And that's this. This is not an example of um, right return of wrong for wrong. This is an example of something horrible and evil happened, and they responded with more of the same. So this rape was horrible. But they responded with slaughtering an entire city of men. That's these guys had nothing to do with it. I mean, they might have been in the city. But they did there were people in the city that probably didn't even know this had happened. They were convinced to be circumcised, or there were probably people in it that weren't even circumcised. They decided that it was stupid and they weren't gonna do it and And then these two guys came in, and then their brothers came in and slaughtered everyone. There are certainly wives and children and slaves and people who had absolutely nothing to do with it, and they were very, very deeply impacted when their brother or father or, or husband was murdered and then and then and then you and your children were brought into slavery as a result. This is not. This is not good this is not this is definitely not an example of righteousness and what God had in plan for them to do. It's not good. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Violence promotes more violence um I was struck by this when I was I try not to listen to too much of the news, but at some point a year or two ago, um there was some story and just it just really, really struck me when it hit me when it, when I read it that there's this there's this group somewhere that like shot some missiles at a U.S. military base somewhere and nobody died but they shot some missiles and so the U.S. military responded in kind and blew up their base and killed fifteen militants and whoever was with them. Asterisks. I was like, like the. <sighs> This is the world we live in. This is the fallen humanity. This is, we respond violence with more violence. Like, they shot missiles and killed no one. But we wouldn't want them to maybe kill someone in the future. So let's kill a whole bunch of them and do it successfully. Show them how it's done. Like, I, I'm sure some people read that news article and, and pumped their fists in the air. And were like, yeah, America. But I'm like, no, that's that's evil that's that's the way of this world that's that's violence promoting more violence and that's and that's not what we're called to do as followers of God we are called to serve and to give up our lives if we're to be following what Jesus what Jesus did and what Jesus uh, recommended That that people who follow him do. Because we don't fear death. Because death is not the end. And here, we've got violence propagating more violence. And because of this, we've got more violence that happens. And more people not stepping up and taking leadership when bad things happen. And then more violence and more death. And more violence and more death. And it just gets more and more. Larger and larger scales And what would have happened? A, I ask that question a bit. Um, there's nothing we can do about those things, but we can observe what happened in the past to help us shape how we respond in the future. And so I, I do still wonder those things. Is what would have happened if if Jacob and his sons, if Jacob had taken leadership and and figured out how to reconcile while not giving in to uh, this rape while holding people to account while not slaughtering an entire city what could have happened there and and how would history have unrolled differently and how can I respond lovingly and kindly even in the face of violence even in the face of Uh, great evil. That's worth pondering. And then it's worth doing.